You're listening to ADHD Diversified, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, MJ, a Canadian-born Asian with ADHD. Here on ADHD Diversified, we're not just sharing stories, we're diversifying the voices, the experiences, and the way we share those stories. We know ADHD is not defined by skin color, ethnic background, or where we are on the globe. But how we navigate with our ADHD, if it gets recognized at all, can be determined by our environments, upbringing, and culture, especially in underrepresented communities. It's not just about awareness, it's about opening the conversation and turning awareness into acceptance. Because no matter who we are or where we are from, we are all allowed to ADHD in the unique ways that we do. So if you have ADHD and you're wondering where you fit in, you're in the right place. Find out more on our website at ADHDdiversified.ca. Anyway, transitions are hard, so enough with the intro and let's jump in. How many of us struggle with verbal interactions? How many of us struggle to speak up or stand up for ourselves in part because verbal interactions are difficult? If you're nodding yes in agreement, then you're not alone. I struggle with the same thing. I'm not great with verbal interactions, to be honest. I don't necessarily count this podcast as a verbal interaction, and I'd be lying if I said I was confident every time I hit record because I'm definitely not. I'm still practicing, and that practice, I imagine, will probably never come to an end. No matter how much we do practice, sometimes our words just won't come across the way we intended, or sometimes we trail off altogether. We get there eventually, not always in a linear fashion, but we do get there eventually. Sometimes we mumble, sometimes we use the wrong words, sometimes we lose the words mid-sentence. Has that ever happened to you? Because it happens to me all the time. Uh, then there's that thing where you mix up a couple of words, like I've honestly said frogen yogurt instead of frozen yogurt on multiple occasions. It gets a couple of laughs, and I never intend to say it, but that's just what comes out sometimes. So I, I do want to normalize and acknowledge that for many of us with ADHD, verbal interactions can be tough. From emotional hurdle after emotional hurdle, there's like this wind up or push start that we need just to, you know, get started. Especially like making a phone call to maybe we're meeting a new person or a new group of people. Or if we're making a speech or facilitating a meeting. Yeah, sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes it could be because of our anxieties and other times, depending on your flavor of ADHD, there might be that impulsive part of our ADHD brain that gets us into trouble. I don't know about you, but my breaks from brain to speech tend to fail a lot. And, you know, they fail less now, but they still do fail. So, yeah, whatever the reason, verbal interactions can just be tough. But there's another hurdle I want to bring up, and it's not totally ADHD-related, and it also wasn't actually my original plan while brainstorming this episode, so, yeah. Um, it is a little bit heavy for me, and again, not the original direction I intended. Didn't I just talk about that? Yeah. Anyway. I do feel some light needs to be shone on this, so forgive me if I take a while to get there. So if I haven't made it pretty obvious yet, um, I am visibly Asian. I have a Filipino ethnic background. 
But because I was born and raised in Canada, the language I happened to grow up with was English. Now, English for my mom, you know, like it wasn't her first language. So for me growing up at home, actually, oddly enough, she never used Tagalog to talk with me. I was never taught the language, so I never learned. And my dad is Caucasian, born and raised in Canada himself. So that does further contribute to why English was the primary language of my childhood home. I do want to say this is my specific experience, and I do want to acknowledge that this may not be the same experience for every single person, particularly for those of people of color who were born and raised in, well, North America, I guess. And also, this could apply to anyone in any country, because the languages used at home will likely depend on if the parents choose to teach their kids the different languages or dialects they may speak if that applies. So for me specifically, English is my first language. Sadly, I'm not fluent in any others, so it's actually my only language. Even then, yeah, English is hard sometimes. I mess up my sentences and my speech all the time, and sometimes I'll say the completely wrong thing, and it's like, MJ, what are you even saying? Yeah, it happens a lot. Um, and for those here in North America whose first language is not English, I, I know that struggle is real. Gosh, I can't even imagine, like, I mean, I'm sure this could apply when it comes to learning a new language anywhere. So yeah, kudos to every single one of you who are bilingual or multilingual. Learning other languages is hard. Yes, English is my only language. Jeez, I'm boring. But here's what gets me. Even though English is my only spoken language, it's not obvious at first glance. But listening to this podcast, if you had no idea, like if I didn't put in the intro that I'm a Canadian-born Asian, you'd probably think otherwise, right? You know, I feel like I've had to apologize for not being so obvious regarding my speaking capabilities. Not that it's my fault. These are the features that I have. Still, I have found myself apologizing for this, especially when I'm meeting somebody for the first time. And then when I start talking, it's like they're completely flabbergasted. Like, Wow, your English is so good for a foreigner. I wish I was kidding. I really, really wish I was kidding. Like, you can't make this shit up. It's an assumption. And it's a shitty assumption, at least from my point of view. And what's more unfortunate is that it's happened to me more often than I can count on my fingers and toes. It's just crappy because an assumption is being made based on the color of my skin and the shape of my eyes. Before I speak, like, I'm very aware that it may cross someone's mind that I can't speak English, let alone good English. But I will say that, you know, I'm guilty of this too. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, I reflect back and I'm actually 100% sure that the thought has crossed my mind too. That was not easy to say. Um, yeah, so even though North America is really diverse, well, the other unfortunate truth is, is that racial profiling and stereotyping still exists. It's tiring. And I'm tired. I guess I'm just tired of trying to prove how Canadian I am. Like, there's this unspoken thing about, like, it doesn't matter that I was born here. The fact of the matter is, like, I can't change the undertone of my skin or the shape of my eyes. I mean, theoretically, I could, and I don't 
want to feel like I have to just to fit in. I've always been aware of being a little different mentally for the time that I was undiagnosed with ADHD anyway, but there's also the visible component that I'm always mindful of. Sometimes I sing it along in my head, like, one of these things is not like the other. Oh my gosh, that's so bad. But, you know, I do. I, I sing it silently in my head. You know, one, because it's, it's catchy, I'll admit. And two, well, it's just one of my coping mechanisms that kind of makes me laugh a little bit and kind of helps me, I guess, lighten up a situation I might be in, however uncomfortable I feel on the inside. And the truth is, at least the truth in my own head right now, is that I won't belong anywhere else either, like regardless. Because no matter how I look, even if just by appearance, say if I were to go visit the Philippines, well, I can't speak the language, let alone any of the hundreds of other dialects that exist there. So, you know, I just won't fully belong. There's a whole other story and mentality behind that, but I'll put a pin in that way over there and that's gonna be a discussion for much later. Anyway, I know some of this I'm grossly overgeneralizing here, but I'm going to emphasize that I'm only speaking based off of my own experiences and the situations I've had to endure as an individual. Sometimes it's been as frequent as every week. It's, it's normal for me, and it sucks that it's normal. Okay, I'm gonna uh, circle back to the language thing for a bit. Like, okay... Like when I've messed up my speech in the past, sometimes the justification or joke or whatever you want to call it used to be, oh, it's okay, you're Asian, you'll get there. I, like I used to laugh at that too. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't laugh at that sometimes. It's just a little jab, right? I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a time and a place for humor and sass without a doubt. But sometimes I laugh to kind of hide when the comment is, in fact, inappropriate or hurtful. Like, I don't know how to speak up about that discomfort that comes up sometimes. And honestly, I still haven't quite made that distinction yet either. Like, when it's meant to be humorous or when it's actually offensive or even if it's something that's a little bit passive-aggressive. Those kind of comments have just been really, really normal for me. And back then, when I was younger, I was unbelievably dense still am to some degree. So yeah, I just, I have a really hard time distinguishing the difference between sometimes if it's humorous or if it's actually meant to be insulting or degrading or in any way. Also, you know, I do have to say that the fact that it's normal for me, normal to me, I don't know how okay I am with that anymore. Even my own self-deprecating humor has been such like a big part of my life as a coping mechanism that, you know, perhaps by normalizing it and coping in that way, it's always almost been a way of denying or hiding how I would actually feel when certain race-based comments or jokes would come up. Having ADHD as someone who is supposed to, like, you know, at least on a visible level fit the model minority myth is... That just really is a myth. This is just one part of why it's been so difficult to speak up about anything and why it's still difficult for many of us from underrepresented and marginalized communities to speak up. And, you know, when we do, 
It just feels like it's almost too easy to be dismissed. If I don't look a part, if I don't look the part, it's as if there's already a preconceived idea that I'm not supposed to have good English. That's such a hard emotional barrier for me to get around. The mental barrier of it is one thing, but the emotional component of that is even harder. I mean, there's already enough stigma around mental health, and ADHD comes with its own stigmas, and then there's, you know, being an Asian person with ADHD, and my ADHD also comes with friends, so that's fun too. So yeah, it's like there's this this additional weight of being a... In Canada, we use the, the phrase visible minority, which I personally believe is an outdated term anyway, you know, where I have this the color of my skin and the shape of my eyes and dot, 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 you know, and what? Strictly by appearance at first glance, I know I look like I might not speak English. And knowing that, like always knowing that, always being aware of it, it does make me really self-conscious about any kind of speaking that I have to do, especially in new or unfamiliar situations. And, you know, the whole, wow, your English is so good, has come up way more often than I thought it's ever needed to. I really, I really don't like that it still comes up today. No, seriously, like, if I'm engaging in a conversation, I really wish it were the last thing on my mind. I wish it weren't a thought in my mind at all. I wish it didn't have to be. It makes me question sometimes, like, what if what I have to say and what I want to say isn't taken as valuable because the words are coming out of someone who, what I perceive by North American standards, like, that I just look foreign. That really is the biggest hurdle for me. Before I start closing this, um... You know, I do want to acknowledge that this podcast does target English-speaking people, and that's because English is my only language. But I'm not willing to muzzle my story anymore just because my experience doesn't fit someone else's narrow perception or assumptions of me. I just wish it wasn't such a surprise anymore. You know, I, I shouldn't have to be afraid to speak up or share my story or share my experience because you know, at first glance, someone thinks my English will be bad. And hey, this applies to you too. It doesn't matter who you are. If you have a story to tell, tell it. Your story, your experiences, they are valid too. You know, like, I, I consider myself extremely lucky and I'm even more grateful, you know, that I have a podcast and a platform to voice out these experiences. And I really want to encourage others to do the same. Because for me, it's not just about being someone with ADHD, but also how being visibly different affects that too. Being visibly Asian. And last but most certainly not least, visibly human. Being human. Um... I'm having, yikes, um, I'm having a really hard time calling myself human right now. I mean, I, I know I'm a person, I know I'm a human being, but, okay, I'm just going to keep recording this, um, but, 
sadly, you know, my own personal perceptions are a bit skewed right now. What happened last week on March 16th um, with, you know, the series of mass shootings that took eight lives, knowing that six of those lives were fellow Asian women, I just, um, I guess with the raise in violence and the increase of the dehumanization of my fellow Asian peers all over North America, it's been a lot to take in. And actually, it's a part of what halted me from releasing the first part of this episode last week. I, I wasn't aware um, while I was recording uh, last week's you know, quick episode that this had happened. I didn't find out until that morning after I had um, scheduled that episode. And the truth is I've been concerned for my safety. I've, I've, I've cried a lot of angry tears. I've mourned and I do mourn the loss of life, not just because of what or who we've lost during this pandemic, but I mourn the loss of life because of the fear and anger that's been directed towards marginalized groups. I, I really don't know what else to say about this or how to address it. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm still really taking it all in. Um, but no matter who you are, I guess, you know, if you're part of a marginalized group, and especially for my, my Asian friends across North America, you know, it doesn't matter what part of Asia you're from or just, just know that if you're angry, if you're in sorrow, if you're fearful or exhausted or enraged or full of grief and your heart is heavy and you're feeling all the emotions that I couldn't possibly list all at once, your feelings are valid. Your experiences are valid. And you're, I really hope that you know that you're not alone. My heart aches for the loss. My heart aches for your loss whether it's been the loss of safety, the loss of the loss of peace of mind, you know, I'm I'm grieving for those things too. And if you're grieving the loss of life, I'm I'm sorry for your loss. I encourage you to find support where you can. Reach out to someone and remind them that they're not alone. And allow yourself the grace to grieve during this time. And I hope that you don't have to grieve alone. Because you're not alone. I think I'm going to end it here. Thanks to everybody who was still listening. And if you're still here, thank you. Um, yeah. Thanks so much. I'll see you in the next one. Hey friends, it's MJ again. If you're still here, I really appreciate you listening all the way through. I want to acknowledge the raise in violence and 
dehumanization of against the Asian community across North America, and not only for the Asian community, but for all who have been marginalized and continue to be marginalized. If your mental health is suffering, please reach out to someone you trust. Later this week, I will be listing some resources up on my website that I hope will be helpful. And if you have any resources you think may be useful to someone else, please reach out to me on my website at adhddiversified.ca and fill out the form at the bottom of the page. In the meantime, check out the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network, ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers, ADHD Essentials with Brendan Mahan, and Hacking Your ADHD with Will Kerb. Soon to join us, I think this week, is the ADHD-friendly lifestyle with Moira Mabin. I'm really grateful for their support, and I'm really grateful for yours too. Remember, ADHD is not defined by skin color, ethnic background, or where we are on the globe. We all have a story, and we all have a voice. And no matter who we are or where we are, we can come together to share our unique experiences. I'm going to keep the conversation going because there is diversity in neurodiversity. See you next time.